And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Call Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today. And I'm coming to you, of course, from the mid-Atlantic region of the country, living in Virginia, and we're expecting a big storm to hit tonight. Now, big, depending on where you live, it might not seem so big. I think they're predicting in some places potentially a foot of snow. That's pretty big. Um, but more likely somewhere in the vicinity of five to seven inches. Now, you never know. Sometimes these things start and they become bigger than expected. Sometimes they start and they become much smaller than anybody was anticipating. And it's just, you know, a sort of a <laughs> of a letdown. <clears throat> but at any rate, you all pray for us because it is going to be snowing in an area where we don't get much snow. Um, the area uh, in, uh, that I live in, around Virginia Beach, Norfolk, we get very little snow. In fact, we go most winters without any. It might be a dusting here and there, one or two inches, but, but this is pretty much a snowless environment. When it does snow, whoa, look out. Those of you who live in the South where it's mainly warm and the winters are mild, you know what I'm talking about. If you ever get snow, it's like the world is coming to an end, right? It's like everybody, everybody feels like we might be locked down for the next two months. And so there's some concern that the supermarket shelves are empty and, and all of that. But, uh, but we, look, look, we're, we're going to trust God. Yeah, I don't think I've ever shared this with you all, but when, when my wife and I first moved to Virginia, and we lived in Massachusetts for over 20 years, and you don't have hurricanes in Massachusetts. There was one winter storm that was a blizzard that they said they kind of called it a blizzard hurricane. But to me, it was just it was just a big snowstorm and a big blizzard. But for the first time, we were facing a hurricane. Hurricane Isabel was coming through and, something, you know, completely new to me. And, you know, they were predicting, you know, what the things that could happen and, you know, the fallen trees and the blown off roofs and all this stuff that was, they were talking about it was going to be a category three or four. And I remember in the middle of watching that hurricane, I mean, sitting in my house at that point, we had been we were just living in the house a couple months and listening to the whole house rattle with the sound of that wind. But, you know, I, I went back to Proverbs 10, 25, which says, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked are no more, but the righteous have an everlasting foundation. And, you know, I just I prayed that over our home. I prayed it around our home. I literally walked around the house and asked for God's protection for whatever was going, was going to come. And folks, some people call it coincidence. Some people call it luck. I call it the grace of God and an answer to prayer. Our home was I suffered absolutely no damage in an area where there was a lot of damage. Trees fell on cars, porches were blown off, uh, roofs were blown off, and our home had literally no damage whatsoever. Well, I take that back. We had a twig, and when I say a twig, I really mean a twig about, oh my goodness, well, a twig. It wasn't that had been launched by the hurricane so fast that it actually penetrated the, um, the, the tiling on the roof and some of the, the structure and actually created a small leak, which we discovered and, of course, patched up. No, no big problem, no big expense. That was it. Uh, so it, it, while the world wants us in fear, they want us trembling and shaking. And by the way, I'm not saying we don't take appropriate precautions to keep ourselves safe. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about being foolish. But we ultimately put our trust in God. We do what is rational and reasonable and wise to uh, assure our own safety. But ultimately, we trust God. We say, Lord, 
we are in your hands. And so that's what I would encourage everybody who's in the line of this storm that's coming through here to do. Just just ultimately trust God. Do what you need to do, of course, uh, but but ultimately trust God. I went out today and got some bread. We were out of bread. So I went out and got some bread. That's the, that's about the sum total of my emergency actions today. I got some bread. So, but uh, no, I, look, and folks, I, I don't mean to make light of it because obviously these are things where the roads can, are going to be bad, probably icy, and people could get seriously hurt. So I, and I, I, don't, I don't in any way mean to make light of that. But, but here again, ultimately, we don't walk in fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. All right. Well, having said that, I've got worse news than the big storm that's coming up into the North Carolina and Virginia area. And I think a little bit further south than that as well. And that is, and I know you all may not be aware of this, but it's just been announced by very, very reputable authority. Uh, the world's going to end in nine years. Yeah, it, it's you got nine years, folks, and it's over. And, well, yeah, how do you know that? Because I said reputable authorities told us that. Uh, you're wondering who? Well, none other than, and I could say drum roll, please, Leonardo DiCaprio. And everybody knows that when Leonardo DiCaprio speaks and tells you the world is ending in nine years, well, you can just take that one to the bank. <laughs> you know, just... As they say, you can just ship everybody's saddle home because we know that in nine years, we know that 10 years from now, none, the world won't exist. The world as we know it will be gone. We know that, right? Why? Because Leonardo DiCaprio said so. You know, these people really need to get a life. And you know, that I, this is just my own personal analysis of people like him and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but particularly these Hollywood types. I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez really sees herself as a leftist maven, as sort of a, a, a Marxist diva, uh, more than, than a real policymaker. Um, I, I think that's, that's who she really is. I think she's more in the line of a Leonardo DiCaprio than she is in the line of a statesman or stateswoman uh, like those who have gone before her. But these people live in a fantasy world. And I think they can't really, they, they reach some of them because they're not rooted and grounded in truth. They reach a point where they can't distinguish fantasy from reality. And so he's running around with his hair on fire telling everybody the world's going to end in nine years and, and we gotta, we, we, we've got to do something. We've got to do something drastic. We've, we've got to take drastic measures. And of course, you know what the drastic measures would be. We need a totalitarian dictator to help save us. That's always the answer, isn't it? No, thank you, Leo. Um, you just keep making dumb movies and, and we'll keep living our lives. And until Jesus comes, we will all be here, my friend. Uh, you know, the, 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 believe me, the last person to start their SUV uh, it, nine years from now is not going to be the trigger that ends it all. No, Jesus is going to crack the sky when the time comes. And every eye will behold him and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's, that's the crisis that everybody ought to be getting prepared for. Not climate cataclysm, but the moral and spiritual cataclysm that human beings are going to generate by their sin and rebellion against Almighty God. And there's only one way to be ready for that, and that is surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins and rose the third day with all power in his hands, and he's coming back again. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. 
Many critics in the current generation are making unfair judgments about past generations with an air of moral superiority. I call it generational judgmentalism. Victor Davis Hanson merely says that these are critics who are self-important and ungracious and have very little gratitude for those in the past that did so much for all of us. He observes that these 21st century critics rarely acknowledge their own present affluence and leisure owe much to history's prior generations whose toil helped create their current comfort. Of course, we could also add the millions buried in military cemeteries who fought and died for the freedoms we enjoy today. He also asked several important questions. What will our grandchildren say of us who have dumped on them over $30 trillion in national debt, much of it as borrowing for entitlements for ourselves? Another is, what sort of society snoozes as record numbers of murders continue in 12 of its major cities? One of the key buzzwords for this generation is infrastructure. But Hansen wonders, when was the last time it built anything comparable to Hoover Dam, the interstate highway system, or the California Water Project, much less sent a man back to the moon or beyond? It's easy to criticize previous generations while using today's standards of morality and behavior. It's easy to forget the struggles previous generations had to face because they were not blessed with the numerous technological advances we enjoy today. It's easy to tear down. It's not so easy to rebuild. These are questions we need to ask of the critics bent on destroying society. They don't seem to offer anything significant in its place. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Critical Race Theory, go to viewpoints.info slash CRT. Hey, I'm Mark Call from Casting Crowns, and I've seen how destructive alcohol and drug abuse can be. But I've also seen Jesus set people free from those addictions. I promised myself I wasn't going to be an alcoholic parent or an absent parent like I had. My daughter was born, and I basically became everything I said I wasn't. I was just drunk all the time. I said I would quit when she was born. I ended up drinking more, worse than ever. And so finally, I was just like, I can't keep doing this. If I don't change this now, I'm going to lose everything. So before it was too late, I came to Teen Challenge. God began to change me into the sober father I knew I always could be. And his mercy was very real. He really wanted to bring me into this better life than that he has. Adult and Teen Challenge helps people find freedom from addictions to drugs and alcohol through the power of Jesus Christ. If somebody you love is ready to experience new life and freedom and hope, you can call toll-free 1-855-END-ADDICTION or visit teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. We've got two other subjects I want to introduce, and uh, then we'll start taking your calls. Um, of course, tomorrow is the March for Life, and there, uh, we've talked a lot. We talked to Preborn, uh, I think, the end of last week, um, and I've mentioned it a couple of times this week, providing uh, these sonograms for women so that they can see their babies um, I, I think I mentioned, I know I mentioned to you all that my youngest daughter is pregnant right now. In fact, I was on the phone with her earlier and we were talking about the images that she sees of her baby. And it's just, it, it is absolutely inspiring and heartwarming and, and, and how people can develop a multi-billion dollar industry built on the shed blood of unborn babies. I, I, it, it's, it's just beyond me. It really is. It is just beyond me. But um, Star Parker, uh, who I'm going to have on the program to talk about this issue, um, has done an investigation to help us better understand what the abortion industry is doing to target black women, where, of course, there is a disproportionate number of abortions taking place. Uh, black folks are about 13%. They say the numbers decline now to about 12% of the population either way. But according to the latest data, are 38% plus of the abortions performed in the United States. That means almost three times the representation in the population. And, and that leaves only another 60% of the abortions taking place 
among what 87%, 88% of the population. So it's clearly disproportionate. This was Margaret Sanger's vision. Her vision was to kill the children of black women, Hispanic women, um, people of who of, of, that she considered to be feeble-minded or weeds. She was an elitist. And I think she really had no use for anybody who she considered to be, to be beneath her, uh, whether educationally or intellectually from her perspective. Uh, that, in other words, people that she deemed unworthy of occupying the earth with her. And those people should be gotten rid of. Eugenics had very, very PR bad PR associated with it. But Planned Parenthood, which is nothing but a great, big, bodacious lie because it is not planned parenthood. It is planned death. It is the planned annihilation of unborn children. It is the, the, the name is a PR ploy. There's nothing about planning for parenthood about it. It is all about killing your unborn babies. Well, they had been highly successful at limiting the growth of the black population, certainly in the growth of, of, uh, of other populations of minorities and the growth of, of here again, uh, I'm sure, disproportionately among poor people, regardless of their background, regardless of their ethnicity, their race. That thing is a scourge. And every time, that thing meaning Planned Parenthood, and every time I think about taxpayer dollars being used to fund that abomination, it, it, it makes me godly angry. It really does. It really does to think that your hard-earned money and mine is going to help annihilate these innocent children. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's got to stop. And as you all know, I had a guest on um, uh, yesterday, uh, a professor, yesterday, day before, whatever, whatever, whichever day it was, um, talking about the fact that he thinks Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. He thinks the court is heading in that direction. That would be a wonderful thing. It'd be even better to, frankly, outlaw abortion. But at the very least, turn it back to the hands of the states to handle it as they see fit. Uh, where the representat representation is closer to the people and can better represent the needs and interests of the people. As far as I'm concerned, the Supreme Court doesn't represent people at all. It represents the law. And they've gotten, frankly, gotten off into cultural transformation instead of legal interpretation. And it's, it, 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 they've done some severe damage to our country. They really have. They've done severe damage to this nation. As an institution, and not every judge, of course, has participated in that. Uh, we got uh, uh, Judge Clarence Thomas and Judge Alito, uh, and we've got we've got some other uh, judges, of course, that um, that are lean conservative anyway. Those two I just named are reliably conservative, reliably, without any deviation from the standards of interpreting the Constitution based upon what it actually says, the text, and based upon the original intent of the text, not this living document nonsense where you can just make up anything and say, oh, that's what the Constitution really means. And unfortunately, Gorsuch has done that. He did that in that um, that, that case on transgenderism where he reinterpreted the 1965 Civil Rights Act, 1964 Civil Rights Act, uh, to, to where sex now means gender identity and all, I mean, and sexual orientation. Come on. That, uh, here again, that, that stuff, boy, that, that was very, very disappointing. But nevertheless, okay, uh, I, I'm going to have Star Parker on, who's the founder and president of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education who did this exposition. She'll talk to us about the details of what she found. Um, folks, I really do long for the day when, first of all, Planned Parenthood doesn't even exist, A, but B, at the very least, you and I don't end up funding it with federal tax dollars. That 
it, to, to me, is just beyond the pale. So wanted to get that out there and congratulate all of those who have been now for nearly 50 years marching for the lives of unborn children to save their lives. And the, many people will be out there tomorrow. Uh, the storm will not be in Washington, D.C., although it's going to be a cold day, but it's been cold many, many times before during the March for Life. Uh, uh, and so what, the, here's the other thing I want to get at. George Soros, I said this yesterday. <laughs> There's got to be a basis for putting that man in jail because he has done, su- he is, he's uh, here again, he has done such damage to this country that it, it just, it, it almost defies imagination. You know, there are 12 prosecutors in America right now in major metropolitan areas, all the puppets of George Soros. And there may be more, but at least 12. And they are the puppets of George Soros. They are doing his bidding. And what he wants them to do is let criminals out to terrorize the rest of us. And I think it's all about destabilizing society in order to remake it in what he thinks is the image he has in mind. And he doesn't know. Here again, he's a useful idiot, as Stalin or or Lenin would have said. He's a useful idiot because he doesn't know if he ended up with the kind of society that he seems to have in mind, he'd be among the first they, they would destroy Because it's based on envy and, 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 and greed and jealousy anyway. And the, the, the idea of a billionaire, I think I told you all that during the French Revolution, one of the, the chief financiers of the French Revolution, him and his wife, had been the, their most generous donor. And, and in fact, he was the cousin of Louis XVI and presided over the decision to execute him. So he was faithful. You know what they did to him and his wife? executed them too. So people better wake up. But nevertheless, Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon, you all know that idiot. Um, Chicago, Cook County's uh, Kim Fox, this is the one who tried not to prosecute Jesse Smollett for his fraud perpetrated against the Chicago Police Department and the people of the city. Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner, he's the one who was recently lecturing people about how they shouldn't let the, their personal feelings about being victim of crimes get in the way of good policy of letting criminals out of jail. Uh, District Attorney Kim Ogg in Houston. Uh, District Attorney John Crusoe, I think that's pronounced, in Dallas. Bexar County near San Antonio. Joe Gonzalez. D.A. Penn Pizzoni. Maricopa County, Phoenix. St. Louis uh, District Attorney Kim Gardner, uh, District Attorney Diane Becton of East San Francisco Contra Costa County, Alvin Bragg, the one who's been in the news lately, talking about we can't, we, 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 we know that locking up criminals doesn't work. Why are you a prosecutor then? Marilyn Mosby of Baltimore, and she was one of the original Black Lives Matter prosecutors who took a trip uh, with Soros, yeah, on his dime, and ended up indicted on federal charges. Yep, that's the prosecutor that George Soros financed. And then there's uh, Moncu Worrell, Ninth Circuit Judicial uh, State Attorney near, uh, near Orlando. These are all George Soros puppets. And their job, it seems, is to destabilize our country by letting criminals out so that they can go out and harm people. By the way, with this, this tragic murder that just took place um, in California, I've been talking about this from time to time, maybe not enough. 254 children have been murdered in the last two years on the streets of our cities. Innocent children. They're sowing the wind, and we're reaping the whirlwind. Back in a moment. It's my turn. 
Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Some years ago, I made what was to me a startling discovery. I was reading about what happened on that Good Friday in Jerusalem nearly a couple of thousand years ago. I read again about how they hung that man among men on those two sticks of wood. I could feel the blows of the hammer as they drove the nails into his palms. I could feel the jar as the cross was dropped into its hole and came to rest with a terrific jolt. The flesh ripped and the blood spurted. You remember the rest of the events. You remember how the crowd jeered him, made fun of him, jokingly dared him to come down. It was a scene that has been repeated often in the history of mankind. Over and over again, that lowly Galilean has been nailed to those two pieces of wood. Many times we've stood around jeering him, making fun of his claims, slashing his side with our selfish spears. But you can remember also that the story didn't end on that dark day. Finding an unused tomb in a garden nearby, they laid him in it. And then, because the next day was an especially holy one, hardly anyone moved. But Saturday is always followed by Sunday. And on Sunday, those who loved him found what all who have loved him since have found, an empty tomb. I said I made what was to me a startling discovery. I had thought of that cross and that empty tomb as the most dynamic events in history. I had always considered these as the top jewels to place on a crown of greatness. But now I see that they weren't the greatest part of his faith. Now I can see that for years my sight just did not go far enough to find the most tremendous event in the history of mankind. Now I can see what the greatest part of this carpenter's faith is, and it's amazing. He entrusted the work of his church to those 11 men, those disciples who had just prior to the resurrection betrayed him. That, without a doubt, is the grandest thing about him, that he trusted common people with the responsibility of his church. Can we see that? Can we understand what it means that he should give the greatest responsibility ever known to mankind to those 11 men? That is, without question, the highest sign of his love and his trust in mankind. He entrusted his kingdom not to the high and mighty, to the great and gallant, to the brave and brilliant, but to common people. And he goes on entrusting his church to common, plain, ordinary folk. How great his trust in us, that he should give to plain folk the tremendous privilege of carrying on his work, speaks of his great trust in the common person. No one would have dared to trust those 11 men with such a great responsibility except the Nazarene. No one else had such a trust in common folk like you and me. So the next time you're inclined to lose hope in mankind, give it a thought. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. The number is 888-589-8840. I want to open it up to take your calls. 888-589-8840. Uh, I'll add a couple of other topics while I'm waiting for the lines to fill up. 888-589-8840. Fairfax County schools are at it again. Uh, they're now teaching children uh, through a board game called Identifying Your Privilege. And, of course, you're supposed to put fill in the spaces, and the more spaces you fill in, the worse person you are. And, of course, among those spaces is, are you a heterosexual? You're privileged. Are you Christian? You're privileged. Are you white? You're privileged. Are you comfortable walking outside alone? What? Well, you're privileged. Did both of your parents go to college? You're privileged. Have you never worried about food? I mean, they're giving... Folks, did you hear about the one where they, they've, they've started a sex club? And it, that's really what it is. It's a gender and sexuality club for 
elementary school students? A gender and sexuality club. This, see, this is why we need school choice. We need parental choice in education because there are parents who look at this stuff and just go, you know what, I, I'm not sending my child into that abomination. If you're born in the country you reside in, you're privileged. Oh, you know what that means? In other words, if you're born in America, because we're born in the country you reside in. I mean, they're talking about, in other words, if you are born an American, ooh, you should feel guilty. And on and on and on it goes. Oh, and if you're cisgender. And I guess cisgender, I thought cisgender and heterosexual were the same thing. In other words, I think cisgender means you're normal. <laughs> but Lord, help us, please, Jesus. Mm, 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 mm. Folks, it, it just it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And here's the other thing I'll mention. A couple of you have asked me about Robert Kennedy's book, and I've started reading it. Whoa, folks. Whoa. I mean, I am still, I think, I don't think I've finished the first chapter of the book yet, and I am already, like, my mouth is dropped open, like, What? The real Anthony Fauci is an eye-opener. 888-589-8840 is the number. Let's start taking some of your calls. Uh, let's go to Charlotte in Alabama. Charlotte, welcome to the program. Yes, I hear you talking a lot of times. And, you know, there's so much talking about life and that. And, you know, very simple. You know, I was a elementary school. I taught all levels. But very simply, I would say we're built on, this country is built on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And life, I mean, every cell, I mean, you go to science and they describe life as a living. But what's going on in our society, it was told, if, if you haven't read 1984, I've read it. You need to read it. You need to read it. But I think we need to talk about that a whole lot hmm. more because that was written right after the Second World War. And and that's what's going on today. You know, get the kids yeah. as early as you can, all this stuff that's going on. Get rid of the old people, take their money, do their whatever. And I, I could go on and on. I could write yeah. a book myself. But <laughs> I, think point you, is, I think you probably could, Charlotte. Go ahead, go ahead and finish your, conclude your point. Yeah, read the book, 1984, yeah. to understand what's going on. And know that uh, this country was built on Christianity. Amen. And this is a Christian country. And Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Charlotte. That that, uh, Charlotte, I, we, we've got it. And look, what can I say? You are absolutely right. Yeah, 1984. The, it, you know, 1984 really is a, is, a, is a novel way of expressing Isaiah chapter 5, because in 1984, they reverse everything. They change the definitions of everything so that good becomes evil, freedom is slavery, truth is, lies, is falsehood. I mean, they, they just twist everything up in order to control the entire population. Uh, thank you for the call, Charlotte. Let's go to Gary in Arkansas. Gary, welcome. Hey, um, I appreciate your show and appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to comment, you know, a lot of the liberal, uh, you know, their policies and their their attitude, just like for critical race theory, uh, and also there's kind of a combination of that. Even things like, uh, you know, Canada's going to put preachers in jail for uh, yep. offering help for homosexuals to get out of that lifestyle. But all that um, denies the power of redemption that we can know in Christ. I think I see that as a pattern in all a lot of their policies. They just don't know the power that Jesus Christ has to redeem people. Amen, Gary. You are you are so absolutely right. Thank you for the call, Gary. Which is which is why I say, folks, they can call us haters all they want, but we know that we don't hate them. We love them because God loves them, and God wants to redeem them. You know that song says just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me and that you bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. 
and we do come to God just as we are. But he doesn't leave us as we are. He changes us for the better. Thank you for the call, Gary. Let's go to Michael, also in Alabama. Michael, welcome. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, uh, one of the biggest mistakes I think President Trump made was uh, not going after George Soros, getting him on tax evasion or something, because he was a huge thorn in President Trump's side. And, you know, Soros is not even allowed to step foot in his home country of Hungary anymore. Yeah, he he is right, and he's pulled some some shenanigans in other countries. I mean, manipulation of currency, and he's done some really bad things in some other countries. I mean, this this guy is evil. I don't care what anybody says. This guy is evil, and you can see the fruit that he's producing because he's getting people killed in our own country. So, so Michael, you're you're right. I would add one person to the to the the list that that President Trump should have gone after, and that is Anthony Fauci. I don't know who he was listening to, but he should never have elevated Anthony Fauci to to kind of make everybody aware of who he is because Anthony Fauci was already doing horrible things behind the scenes. And the last thing he needed was to feed his ego by making him the voice of of uh, the covid solutions. Uh, That's believe me, this the the look, this book by John uh, by Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., just confirming a lot of the things that most of us arrived at by simple common sense and doing our own research. Uh, But it's just so much deeper than anything we, most of us probably imagine in terms of the corruption of this man and the damage that he has done and is doing to this country. Thank you for the call, Michael. Let's go to Josh in Texas. Josh, welcome. Hi, how are you doing? I am blessed, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So I'm just driving. I've been driving all day. I'm driving home to my parents' house in Houston. And I heard what you were talking about privilege. And I just, I wanted to call because I, 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 I feel you might have a misunderstanding of what recognizing privilege actually is. Because you, the way you phrased it was that it means that to recognize you have privilege is to recognize that you are inherently a bad person, which just isn't the truth of how that has ever been taught anywhere. But oh, no? to recognize that you have privilege just means that your life isn't as hard in specific, in those specific ways, that you're going to have an easier time trying to go about life if you are, for example, a straight white man than you would be a, just for the sake of example, uh, a gay woman. You know, it's not that really? one is a worse person than are you, the other. Are you, it's just are you a, sure? an amount of difficulty. Yeah, hey Josh, uh, Josh, whoa, whoa, Josh, whoa! Are you sure yeah. about that? Doesn't doesn't I'm that sure depend? That. Doesn't that depend on the life of that person who happens to be an American of European ancestry versus that person who happens to to have an issue of sexual orientation? Doesn't that depend on a lot of other circumstances of their lives? You're 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 simply assuming that by categorizing a person as, as you put it, a white male, they're automatically better off than uh, this other person in this other category. And of course, well, Josh, thank you for the call. I've got to go. I got to go, Josh. Thank you for the call. I'll respond a little bit more to that on the other side of this break. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. In honor of the grand opening of the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation on February 1st, AFA will re-release The God Who Speaks on our new streaming platform and in a special limited edition DVD set. The God Who Speaks, tracing evidence for the Bible's inspiration and authority, was originally released in 2018. This special set includes features like two hours of new footage and a Sunday school curriculum. Learn more at thegodwhospeaks.org. 
This is Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. Have you ever noticed that boys love to run? They seem to be constantly dashing, darting, and scurrying around. And when they get older, they run even faster, which makes keeping up with them even more work. Parenting is exhausting. In addition to school and church, there are a whole bunch of other activities that take time and energy. In the busyness of everyday life, it's natural to feel tired and overwhelmed. But don't let these emotions drag you down. Instead, take heart. 1 Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face forevermore. What a great reminder that our help comes from the Lord. For more encouragement and practical advice on how to raise your son, visit Trail Life USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Free help in Raising Godly Boys is at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. As a minor, that abortion enters in, that veil of sin comes over that young woman. She doesn't know how to process. She has no resources to process. That's pro-life advocate Cynthia Wentz on Focus on the Family Minute describing a painful choice she made as a teenager. So what does she do? She numbs, she acts out. So it wasn't until years later that I had found that journal. I had thought she just wasn't aware. She was blindly carried away to the abortion clinic at 15 and just had no comprehension. And that diary entry, that journal entry was, she knew. She knew. She was very aware that that was the taking of a life. Our children may be naive, they may be young, but they're not blind. You'll hear more of Cynthia's amazing story at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. We've got some open lines. The number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Let me just take a moment before I come back to the calls to respond to Josh. I hope you're still listening, Josh. Because I don't know Josh, and I don't in, in any way mean this to be condescending, so f- please forgive me if it comes across that way, but I don't know whether you just simply lean left and you want to justify this approach to educating children, or you really are innocent and naive, and you really think that this is an innocent effort. If there is no agenda here, there's no reason to go through this exercise of telling children whether they're privileged or not, because that's not what you're there for. You're there to educate them. So what is the point of telling children you are privileged and telling other children you are not? There's a, there's a political agenda. And by the way, that political agenda does include instilling a sense of guilt in the children who are privileged so that they can later be in some way persuaded as they get older, because this is a lifetime indoctrination process, to make concessions to those that they consider to be not privileged in part because they are privileged and therefore the government must do things for the unprivileged in order to make them equal to create equity with the privileged. And part of that is I feel terribly guilty uh, that you know, I, 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 I'm privileged and you're not. I feel terribly guilty that I'm white. I feel terribly guilty I'm a male. Uh, I remember the story of the six-year-old child who came home and asked her mother, am I bad because I'm white? Because that's exactly what they're teaching children. Am I bad because I'm a heterosexual? No, you're not bad necessarily, but you got to do something for those of a different sexual orientation because they don't have the privilege you have. And one other thing, this these broad generalizations. Oh, a white male, for example, has privileges over a gay woman. Well, says who? Says who? That depends on the circumstances, a whole lot of other things. That depends on whether that that woman is, is one of these crazies who wants to go out and try to transform the world so that everybody thinks homosexuality is great and experiences some opposition as a result of that and then blames the world for that. Or whether that guy grew up in a, 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 a tough family where there was alcoholism and drugs and and maybe he got gets into it and he's spending his his time and energy trying to figure out how to navigate his life without dependence upon 
uh, the, those those substances that that he grew up around. I mean, th- there are all kinds of issues to be considered. And this this is this I have to say. And here again, I, I'm glad that you called, Josh. I hope you'll call me again, but because uh, I don't want to make this personal with you. But this is what irritates me about the left: these broad sweeping generalizations about people that can prove to be completely vacuous, completely specious, empty, of of no value whatsoever, because you don't know until you look at an individual. And that's part of the problem with teaching these children to put themselves in the categories of privilege, non-privilege, this, that, and the other, based upon a single characteristic that they point out. I think I've said enough about that for the moment. 888-589-8840. Let's come back to your calls. Scott in Kansas. Welcome, Scott. Yes, sir. I'm calling from the new Agency of Political Correctness and Truth. And I need to let you know that AFR is in violation of our new guidelines and that we will be developing laws uh, based on our perceived uh, uh, violations of our guidelines, but we cannot tell you what those will be. Of course not. Okay, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> in, in light of the direct TV dropping OAN, and I've been thinking about this, and a phone call mm-hmm. like that probably isn't too far in the future. Yeah, Scott, th- this, is, this is dangerous stuff that, that, that they're doing. This yes. is very, very dangerous stuff. It really is. Yes. Yeah, I well, thought I'd bring a little satire, but you know. Well, I, I was—I was going to say, Scott, we—we we, we will we will stand in some intimidation of this new agency <laughs> because because yeah. right now to tell you this, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody didn't come up with something like that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yes. so Scott, hey, thank you for the call, Scott. We really, really appreciate it. All right, God bless you. Let's let's go to Albert in Mississippi. Albert, welcome. Hello, how you doing? I am blessed, Albert. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Good. I was calling to make just pretty much to make a comment. Now, I was I always think about the amount of lawlessness in the world today. Mm-hmm. And then you then you take your mind and you think about the children of today and what they're being taught oh. and how they're being treated. Now, think about these young children 20 to 25 years from now. Mm. Now, we had a generation of people that stormed the Capitol. Think about a generation of children that we are raising up now when they are 20 and 25 years old. Think about that storming the Capitol, if it's God will for us to live that long. But we are raising demons. Well, well, Albert, th- think about 574 riots last year. Right. I mean, looting, robbing, killing. Uh, and, right. you know, I mean, you're right. Jesus said this, though. He said that in the last days, lawlessness would abound. And it is abounding. There's no question about that. And look, I've got a granddaughter coming in March. And believe me. Albert, part of what moves me to do what I do, I can get emotional thinking about this, is the country that I want my granddaughter to grow up in. And I don't want her to grow up in a country where lawlessness abounds and where everybody is looking at each other suspiciously on the basis of the color of their skin or kids are taught to feel guilty about who they are. Uh, or, or taught to feel that they can't become anything because the whole world is stacked against them because of the color of their skin and, and, and all this stuff. I mean, we've got to move toward the vision of one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And justice means you do the crime, you do the time. No matter what, what, no matter what you look like, that's not the issue. <laughs> the issue is what you've done, not what you look like. Thank you so much for the call, Albert. God bless you. Let's go to Kevin in Arkansas. Kevin, welcome. Greetings and blessings to you and yours. Thank you, uh, sir. Same to you. I just wanted to, I just wanted to comment that uh, there are no privileges, but we have blessings. Amen. And anybody can have the blessings. They just have to accept them. And I'll, and all your 
other hosts and stuff need to start propagating that. It's not a privilege. It's a blessing. <laughs> and Kevin, I'll th- turn my radio back on and listen to your uh, comment. Thank you for the call, Kevin. Kevin, all I can say is you took the thought right out of my mind. Because when I first saw that, I thought, well, some of this stuff, what we ought to be talking about is blessings. And by the way, everybody is in one way or another blessed. That's a different thing, teaching people to count their blessings as opposed to teaching them to divide themselves against some others because I'm privileged and they're not. So, Kevin, you brought us back to the Bible, brother. Nothing ever wrong with that. (laughs) Let's go to uh, John in Texas. John, welcome. Hello, Bishop. Uh, This is Spec 5, John B., all right, John B., <laughs> good yes, to hear from to you. you. Talked to you about six months ago. Look, uh, it seems to me I, I was privileged to walk uh, at the Planned Abortionhood uh, place on Red Oak here in North Houston uh, several years back, and we got eggs thrown at us and all kind of stuff. But it seems to me, and maybe you can shed some light on this and bring it out, wasn't the whole trial a lie? The woman that that caused the ruling to come down wasn't really pregnant. I heard that many times while I was walking on the line out there. And either it's gone away or I, they were talking about something else. Well, let me check uh, into that, John. But I, I, I can... want you to check that out. And then while I've been waiting, I wrote all over my page here, God is good all the time. Do you know what to say back? Amen. All the time, no, no, God no. is you, good. You need, you need to watch God's Not Dead, the movie. It I've is seen wonderful. it. Wonderful. People will get <laughs> saved you. in your own house uh, if you show it. <laughs> all right, John. Thank you so all much right. for the call, brother. Um, look, the, I think I think an even more important issue is that Jane Doe became a born again Jane Roe, I should say, became a born again Christian and is now a pro life person. That that tells you a lot about just how wrong the Supreme Court was. Okay, I think we can get a couple more in here. Let's go to T in Louisiana. T, welcome. Hi, Bishop. Hi, T. I, I just want to thank you for your program real quick. And the guy that said about blessings, I agree with him. I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And we all have a free will to speak speak with our freedom. And we all can disagree, but it all just come back to being love. Amen. One another and respect the one another and just keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Well, T, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And T, we love you. <laughs> so thank you for the call, T. Uh, look, I, what can I say? I, I couldn't agree more because here again, we can, we can get angry, godly angry, and hate sin and hate wrong and hate falsehood and hate lies. We don't hate people. We can want to destroy falsehood and destroy lies, but we don't want to destroy people because God loves them and wants them and and has a plan for them. And what we want to ultimately do is persuade people that what we're offering them is good and right and true, not only in the temporary earthly sense, but in the absolute and eternal sense. So there you go, T. Great point at which to end the program. You... T, you put the you put the dot in the I and the cross in the T. <laughs> okay. All right, folks, that's going to do it for today. God bless you. We love you here at AFR, and thank you all so much for your prayers and support and your participation in the program. Be back again with you tomorrow, same time, same network. In the meantime, remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.